from Scotston. This is the Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy. If you weren't a rugby player, you'd be watching rugby. You'd be coming to games. When you're not here, you're watching. You actually, you love it. You love. Codes. Yeah. Um, I remember actually listening to an interview a few years ago when it was Stevie Gerrard on about how much he was how much he loved football and he wasn't scared to say he was obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. I think I'd go as far as saying I'm, I'm the exact same. Like I think, for me, I, I believe that you're never the complete rugby player and that you can always improve and get better. And for me, watching rugby is, uh, is a way to do that. And, and I was brought up in a rugby family that, you know, we were watching rugby pretty much every weekend and you look forward to the super rugby being different on, on the telly on a Saturday morning. So, um, yeah, something that's, that's always been happening through my life and, and, and will continue to do so. So who was the poster on your wall? I had a couple. I, I love Brian O'Driscoll. Um, and I just thought the way he went about his work was, was unbelievable. A cracking player, a brilliant person off the field and somebody I really looked up to. And the second one would be Chris Patterson. I uh, absolutely love watching Mossy growing up and, um, you know, he was never the biggest guys and you know, he just seemed to work incredibly hard and always find a way to, to score tries and, uh, and to set up tries and somebody that I tried to, to model myself on and, you know, for me it's to have the opportunity to play alongside one of my heroes and, and learn off the other, uh, you know, I find myself very, very fortunate. But did you aspire that high that early or was it more, <coughs> want to play for Hoyk? Yeah, it was, it was, it was I, want, I want to play for Hoyk. Um, as a kid growing up in Hoyk, it's either rugby or horses, and um, you know I was a ball boy for Hoyk for a, a young age. My dad coached for a while, my brother played, and I just remember um, Nicky Walker was one of the first people when I was in primary school. He got capped in 2002, and I wrote a little kind of newspaper article at, at school about it, and it ended up being in the the Hoyk match program a week after. And it's these little things that you remember growing up. But um, my brother was. 17 years old, my dad was 18 years old and I played for Hoyt for the first time when I was 16 um, and I remember at Ber- Berwick 7s 2009 I uh, came off the bench um, and the first thing I said to my brother was I've beaten you uh, he says what are you on about, I said I'm 16 and he was raging at the time but um, you know, I was just, yeah as I say a kid growing up you want to play for Hoyt and, and to achieve it was, was pretty cool. Do you like playing with your brother? That yeah. Um, cherished or something that happened? It was something, something that happened because my brother was about five years older than me, and he had kind of he was going through all the kind of age grade stuff at a very very young age, similar to what I was. But he got a couple of bad injuries towards the the time that he was in, involved in the academies, and, and unfortunately got re- released uh, that summer in two thousand and nine. Um, so we managed to play with each other throughout the seventh circuit that season. Um, we moved to Harriet's together the year after that. None of us really played much. I got injured. Um, and then the year after was probably the best season when we both came back to play for Hoyk and that was my first season involved in the, in the Glasgow Academy um, and my first season playing Hoyk, Hoyk 15s and I'd go as far as saying it's one of the, my favourite seasons of, of my career. How did you end up going from Hoyk to Glasgow? Um, yeah, so in 2000, the summer of 2009 I was brought into the National Academy so we were based at Murrayfield um, and you know the, the kind of older boys would, would come on a couple of times a week come and train with Glasgow or, or go and train with with Edinburgh, um, so there's only a, you know a handful of boys left to do a session at Murrayfield, which which wasn't great if we're being honest. And I think the year after, all the kind of structures of everything changed, and um, you you were sent to Glasgow, you were sent to Edinburgh, or, or you were sent packing. And I remember it was Ian Monaghan told me that there's an opportunity for me to go to Glasgow. Both Edinburgh and Glasgow um, wanted me to 
to be in their squads, but uh, the coaches at the time thought there was you know a better opportunity to, to go to Glasgow, and I was thinking you know why why am I going as as far away? You know I was brought up supporting the Borders, and then you know when they disbanded, you know you kept a close eye on Edinburgh. And I was wondering why the hell I was getting sent away across here, and um, it was something that I really struggled with in the beginning. I, I remember sitting across in the leisure centre. On the Monday, starting my second week of pre-season, going, you know, I don't want to be here. This is you didn't like it. no. I, I felt as if I was a million miles away from home. I was a hundred point one to be exact, um, living on my own. And you know, I just turned eighteen, and I was thinking, nah, this this isn't really for me. And I remember texting my mate who was working in the racing yard that I'd done part time, and I was asking if I reckon if he could get my job back. And I was I was close to jacking it in, and it was Ian Monaghan again at the time said, look, give it another couple of weeks and see how it goes. And um, my dad was the exact same. He says, "Look, you've got a great opportunity here that you don't really want to chuck away." And you know, I'm glad I didn't. Were there any players then who kind of took you under your, um, their wing? No, nah, not really, because like, well, it's difficult to say because you know you're young. It was almost nine years ago. It's the memory kind of goes a little bit. You, you forget what happens. But you know, Snoopy Ian Monin was was brilliant at that time. Um, as I said, he just said, "Look, give it another few weeks and see what happens." But he was checking on me all the time, seeing how I was. You know, I was still going home every weekend to play for Hoyks. I was getting to see my friends and my family, so it was grand. But it was something that I had to, to try and adapt to fairly quick. And um, you know, as I say, it's the, the making of the man moving away from home and, and learning to grow up. And, and I think it was a good thing for me. You had to adapt to actually playing high-level rugby pretty quick. You played for Hoyk a handful of times, but only a handful of times. So you, when you came to being a pro, you were kind of learning learning on the job, I guess. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't play much... Um, senior men's rugby at amateur level I only played I think it was about 13 games I played for Hoyk um, you know four or five for Harriets maybe and you know it was that season uh, first season here I managed to play two games when the, when the boys were at the Six Nations which was good for me so I got a little taste of what it was to be you know a real professional rugby player and uh, I remember it against the Dragons was my home first home game first game uh, at Fair Hill and uh, absolutely love being involved. I, I still, as I said to you earlier, I can't remember if we won or lost. I was just so buzzing to be involved, and that really gave me a, a taste of what it was like to, to be a professional and something that I really wanted to strive to be. You've told me before that there's this try that you scored for Scotland A's, which is one of your favourites ever. So I think that that season was probably the, the best season ever, the 2011-12 season. That you know, a large majority of the squad were in World Cup camp um, ahead of New Zealand World Cup, and. It was a good opportunity for all the younger boys to, to kind of come through. I think Bernie Stortoni had just retired that summer, so I was, you know, I was uh, I was in with a shout uh, to being involved in the squad, and, and I was sitting behind Peter Murchie, and he unfortunately picked up a, a quite a bad injury in the, the first pre-season game against Newcastle um, at Fairhill, and you know that gave me a little a little shot. I remember my contract was to play six games before Christmas, and then I was getting a contract for the next again season, so you know the incentive was there and. I managed to play the, the first uh, six or seven games of the season. March started to come back fit and he got a couple of games, but then I was back in. And um, yeah, it was the, the kind of the season that you know, I absolutely loved. I learned a hell of a lot about myself um, as a person, as a player, and really enjoyed my rugby. And then, you know, that was the, the time after Christmas I got the call up to go in the Scotland squad. And I always remember it. We were sitting in, uh, in the flat. It was myself, Eck Dunbar, uh, Henry Pergos, and and Finn Gillis, who were the flatmates at the time, and I got this phone call of a number I didn't recognise, and it was Andy Robinson. And he said, hello, Stuart, it's, it's Andy Robinson. I went, ah, good one, and hung up. <laughs> and a couple of minutes later, I thought it was one of the boys, you know, taking the mic, but uh, a couple of minutes later, he phoned back saying, 
you know, Hoggett, Sandy Robinson at Gen Years and just calling to say that, you know, when the squad's announced tomorrow, you're going to be in it. So I was like, absolutely buzzing. And, um, you know, it was just uh, amazing to be involved in the Scotland squad. And, yeah, going back to that, that A game, yeah, it was this first game of the Six Nations. The boys were playing England on the Saturday and there was an A game against the England Saxons on the Friday night at Gala. Uh, and I was picked to play against there. And um, I can always remember that game because we won 35-0 on the borders. It was unbelievable. And yeah, the try came from a free kick, and all I was thinking was they were going to take it was Ryan Lamb he was taking a tap, and then he was going to hoist a hoist a high ball. And my first thought was just to catch the ball because I wasn't renowned for being very solid uh, under the high ball at the time. And um, yeah, just managed to, to catch it, run forward, and see a little gap. And is that on YouTube? Can you um, watch it? I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then how, so were you, did you play for Scotland after that call-up? Was that you then involved or were you just yeah. in camp? Were you camped straight away? Um, yeah, so that was the, the first game of the Six Nations. Uh, and then the week after, we played against Wales, um, away from home. And myself and Duncan Weir and Ed Calman at the time as well. Um, we were all sitting on the bench. Uh, our first involvements in the squad down at the Millennium Stadium. And 15 minutes into the game, uh, Max Evans gets injured and, and I'm on for my first cap. And... Uh, that was, I'd go as far as saying that's one of the best days of my life and, you know, a kid growing up, you want to play for Hoyt, you want to play for Scotland and, um, you know, it was such an incredible day to, to be able to wear the thistle. So what year was that? How, how far? 2012, 2012, so it was, I'd sit my second season at being at Glasgow, um, a year after playing my first game of professional rugby and, you know, as I say, timing's, timing's everything and, you know, I was very fortunate to you know, get a run of games that season when the boys were away and, um, you know, after getting involved in the Six Nations, you thought, you know, let's keep going for it, let's work incredibly hard and see how see how far we can get and, you know, fortunately since then I've, I've, I've been involved ever since, so you know, I'm uh, extremely grateful to have these opportunities. So it's not long after that then that Warren Gatlin's phoning you saying, or does that, is that not how it happened? How did you find out that you were going to be a Lion and when did that happen? Um, Mate, the exact same as everybody else. Uh, you find out, you do find yeah, out watching this. Yeah, right? genuine, genuine. Um, so we were training on the back pitches at the time and, you know, everybody, you're getting a bit of media speculation saying, you know, you're, you've got a good shout, a, a good chance of being involved and you don't really kind of take it on board. I kept saying to everybody, what's what's for you won't go past you and I remember thinking on the day of, of the, the squad getting announced, I was like... Did you let yourself dream? I thought the way I was playing, you know, I was nom- I was nominated for Six Nations Player of the Year that season and I thought I was in my chance, I'd, you know, maybe, you know, potentially going and mm-hmm. um, and then I got a little bit nervous because Lee Halfpenny won Six Nations Player of the Year <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe, maybe we're not going to be going, but, you know, everybody starts um, you know, kind of shouting about you, saying that you've got a chance and I just remember we were training on the back pitches and I was doing a kicking session with Mossy after the the session uh, had finished and just we had a huddle and Gregor said look the, the squad's getting announced today and you know there's a, a chance a few of us could be involved and he said good luck to everybody and everybody just started looking at me for some reason I was like what the hell's going on here but so yeah I was like am I going to watch it am I not going to watch it uh, and I run in I grabbed my phone um, and I put it put it on the on the app and I started watching it and that was the second name read out I remember screaming like a little girl, going, oh, I'm actually involved in Moss and that just run over to me and give me big high fives and hugs and stuff. And it was just, uh, I remember my dad phoning me straight away and he was in tears. Um, so it means a hell of a lot to me, but the family as well, it's, it's pretty special. 
So you come back from the Lions, and you'll be you'll be the first to admit that it was around that time that you had a bit of a a bit of a wobble, and you, and your head was turned. Um, no, I came back for the from the Lions in the summer, and the first game back, we played Ulster away for home, and I fractured my scaphoid in my hand. Um, so I was out for about ten weeks with that, and played a few games back into Scotland camp. Last game of the Six Nations, got red carded, um, which was. Stupid, you know. You make, you make everybody makes mistakes, but came back had a three-week ban, um, and then my agent was on on the phone saying there's a chance that we could go Ulster uh, for the next season, and I was just thinking money. That's all I was thinking. There was, you know, an opportunity to to go somewhere else and make more money. And uh, but the thing for me is that <clears throat> you know we went across there the the Wednesday before playing them on the Friday, so it was you know it was, we were never going to get away with it. And for the rest of that season. You know, I was walking around down in the dumps a bit, you know, thinking that, you know, why, why is this all my fault? But then you realise that it is your fault and you've made mistakes. But I played 60 minutes against Treviso away from home and back then Treviso were, it was a guaranteed five-pointer. Played 40 minutes here against Zebra. Um, scored two tries in the first half and Nico scored, stole my hat-trick. But uh, And I didn't celebrate with him. And uh, Gregor hoyed me at half-time and said, you know, that's that's not a club man. And, didn't play me for the rest of the season. The boys went on to beat Munster in the semi-final. Sat and watched at the back of the stand. Two weeks later, played against Leinster in the final, and you know, I was sitting with Ryan Milson, who was injured at the time. And you know, it's it's good to have an excuse if you're not involved, if you're injured, or you know, you've you not been selected for obvious reasons. But and I was there on my stupidity, and that was the time. It only really kind of hit home after after celebrating with the boys in the semi-final because the club had never been anywhere near finals. Um, and that was a time that I thought, you know, I was a lot better than what I actually was. And I think looking back now, it's probably the best thing that's ever happened. Because so do you think it matured you a bit? Yeah, I've always, I've always said this. It's, it's the making of the man. You know, it's you sometimes need these little setbacks or big setbacks and missed opportunities to be involved in massive games for the club. And uh, it's something that I've always said. Like, look, I, I made a mistake. I put my hand up. I came back and apologised. In the following season, I thought I really need to make up for this, and you know, I probably played some of the best rugby that I played that season. And we went on to to win the league as well. And I was heavily involved in the uh, in the playoff stages and the final, and absolutely loved it. And I remember being on my hands and knees at the end, and in tears, go saying, "This is unbelievable that we won." And Gregor put his hammer in me and said, "You know, it's a lot better feeling than this time last year." So, um, but I've always said, you know, I, mean, I made a mistake. I put my hand up and, and had to try and get the the trust of the boys back and and the. Uh, the management and the fans, everybody trying to get get them back on my side, which um, was tough. But again, that season we, we managed to win some silverware for the first time, and that was the really got the love of the game back and the love for Glasgow back. So was that sweeter then? Sweeter because you obviously tough being left out of that final and tough what happened, but actually sweeter in hindsight when you do win it and you've kind of gone on that journey. I think you know from a personal point of view, I'd love to have. Take it, gone back in time and, and not had any of those uh, things happen. But look, they're, they're happening. They're happening now. I can't change anything, and all I could do at the time was was make up for it and, and make sure that I'd done everything I could to to get us into that similar situation. And as I said, a high involvement in that season, and uh, and loved my rugby, and, um, and I was just glad that that was involved as much. And you know, we, we targeted for a number of years to be the first Scottish team to win a title, and you not know, to have done it. And for the first trophy that, that I lifted in professional rugby, it was such an incredible feeling. What do you remember of the final itself, that actual day? Were you, were you nervous? What, what are your 
memories of it because it must be a must be a blur now. Yeah, I always remember. I always go back to the the night before, and it's quite a, a funny thing. We got we got a video from the, the wives and girlfriends and the partners uh, of all the boys that were playing, and you know all the girls were saying good luck and you know they're proud of us and this that. And I saw my wife, my missus Jillian uh, at the time, and she had she had the Glasgow jersey on and she had the fifteen and fifteen jersey on the back and. I actually remember her doing the video because she said, look, I've got to do a, a video and she had the jersey on upstairs and I wonder what the hell she was up to. Then I've watched the video and Henry Henry Pergos texts me saying, fair play to Jill. And I, I hadn't finished the video. And I was like, what the hell is he on about? Anyway, click on, start watching the, the, the rest of the video and Jill's at the end and she's miming along to Heather Small, proud. <laughs> and I'll never, ever forget that. And... Uh, it was such. I was honestly, it was brilliant. It just got me buzzing, ready for the weekend. And I think the the first half, Leone was just ridiculous. Offload to Bob under the sticks. DTH scores in the, you know, goes in the left hand corner from another Leone offload. And you know, I managed to make a break and put Henry in, and we're we're twenty one nil up. I think it was at the time. So there's never, there's never a game that I've looked at a half time going. The game's done. Apart for the final, I knew we had won it because. We were on such good form that day that we were finishing off everything, we were expressing ourselves, having fun, and Munster were gone. And I just remember 60 minutes, because I was absolutely knackered and I was, tra- I was buzzing about everywhere. I got cramp and had to come off. <laughs> so everybody's asking, oh, he must be injured. No, he's just got cramp, which was a pathetic, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pathetic excuse. But, um, you know, it was, it was just great to be involved. And you know, I say, when when the when the final whistle went and uh, we managed to celebrate, it was class. But I, I always I always remember the fans coming up with that um, "We Are Warriors" chant, and that was I'd never heard it before until the final. And it, the atmosphere for the full eight minutes was just incredible, out of this world. And it's a day that you look back and go, career highlight, one of the best days ever, definitely, definitely. You mentioned Jill there and the kids when. You got married when the kids were born. Did that change your rugby at all? Did, we spoke about this on a podcast before with Pete Horn when his daughter was born recently, and he, he said it does change your mindset because all of a sudden it's not the most important thing in your life. Did you, did you feel that? Yeah, absolutely. I think you soon realise that when you, when you go home after a bad day, because you, you know everybody looks at rugby going, oh, so you, you have to be having fun all the time. There's some bloody hard days and days that you go home going, I don't want to be a player anymore, but when you go home with Jill and the kids, all the worries go out the window. You, you concentrate on being being a dad again and, and looking after the kids and doing everything for Jill. And I think it's made me a better player in, in the essence that I do a lot more recovery and I'm not as stressed out about rugby. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also made me a better person because I'm not concentrating on myself all the time. And some people might disagree with that, but for me, that all I want to do is to, to make Jill and the kids proud, the rest of the family really proud. And if I can do that, and, and go out there, express myself in the way that I want to. Um, you know, I'm on a, I'm on the right track. You mentioned the lines there. The second, the second tour. Were you, again, finding out the same way? And what did it mean to you to be caught up? But then it was a much more difficult tour for you for obviously yeah. having to come home early. I think, yeah. Again, uh, just come off the back of a good season with Glasgow. We had a chance of, I think it was the year we qualified for Europe for the first time. Um, it came off the back of a good Six Nations, you know, the boys played really well. You were player of the season this time. Yeah, 
which which was quality. But again, like I, I don't get that until, unless I'm playing good teams. And you know, the forward pack were dominant, the backs were playing on the front foot. So you know, we were, we were we were in a good place at that time. And I felt going at that tour that if I could keep myself fit and play some good rugby, that you know, there's a good chance I would go on it. That was the the time that I was really really confident that you know this could be my time. Um, and yeah, the selection was was awesome. Sat and watched it in the house with Jill. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was quality. I remember going on the tour, thinking, you know, this is my this is my time to shine. And a test match here. Yeah, because everybody everybody remembers what what it is to be a lion. But you come back, and you want to be involved in the big games. Like the midweek games are are brilliant. Don't get me wrong, but they mean nothing. You know, if you get beaten every single um, warm up game, but if you win the test series three 0 that's what that's what it's remembered for. And, I picked up an injury, fractured eye socket, uh, had to come back, which 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 killed me. It, it generally did because one of the toughest ones to take so far. Hands down, hands down. Because, as I say, that I look back at that now, going, will I ever be in an op- uh, get an opportunity to represent the Lions in a Test match? I don't know, but I think it was it was there for me, and to have it snatched away through it's nobody's fault. Like it's so innocuous. You, as well. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna pick up these injuries playing rugby. It's part and parcel of the game, but. Now looking back, now I think you know if there is ever was an opportunity, I think that was it. But um, you know, it's not going to be through lack of trying for the next one. I can assure you that. What did this club do in particular to get you to the highest level that a British or Irish rugby player can get to? What are the is there anything specific? Is there anything that jumps out as actually that's what Glasgow Warriors did? First and foremost, it's given me the opportunity. You know, without an opportunity to play, you're you're not going to get you know, on the, the professional stage, the world stage in the back of it. So I'm, I'll be forever grateful for, for the opportunity to come here. I think the coaches that I had, Sean, Sean Lenin, um, made me a... I came here as a 13 and he said I needed to serve my apprenticeship at fullback to then come back to, to play 13 and then I got capped at 15. Um, he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll just keep you there. You're right there, actually. Yeah, uh, Gregor again gave me, you know, all the tricks of the trade and... Uh, giving me opportunities to play in Glasgow. Um, the boys, uh, you know, a terrific group of boys here that remember come to the club and you're, you're looking in the changing room, you're going, that's Chris Cusser, that's John Barkley, that's Graham Morrison, Al Kellogg, like mm-hmm. absolute Scotland legends. And I get an opportunity to play alongside them that I wanted to make sure that, you know, I wasn't making, um, I was making the most of it and, you know, making them look at me going, you know, this, this kid's actually got something. So, but again, I've thought about it long and hard over the last few months since since deciding to leave, and you know I've always said that without me, Glasgow Warriors will be perfect. Without Glasgow Warriors, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now, and as I say, I'll be forever grateful for that. Before we start recording, I asked you. I said I was going to ask you about memorable teammates for different reasons. Um, who, who have you come up with? Um, Graham Morrison. I remember looking at G Dog at the start and. He had uh, no interest in any of the academy boys. I remember texting him one day to, to get a lift to a player appearance because I don't think I had a car at the time. Um, and he replied, said, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, me and G-Dog became quite good friends after, uh, you know, getting a few games for Glasgow. He started to speak to me and, um, and I had some good times. I think uh, Pat MacArthur, somebody I was really close to until he retired a couple of years ago. Um, Duncan Weir, somebody that I got really close with, uh, whilst he was at the club, you know, similar age groups, played 20s with him. Um, Sean Lamont, you know, they took me under his wing when, when he came here, I think it was the summer of 2012, uh, made me a better player and it's these kind of boys. But I think everybody at the club has, has 
had a big influence in what's happened to me over the last few years and you know, I've, I've been really, really fortunate to play with some of the best Glasgow players, Scotland players, you know, foreigners that have came to the club. Um, and it's been one hell of a journey and one that I've absolutely loved and you know, it's, it's come at the time now that it's, it's close to leaving and it's starting to hit home. So why, why Devon? Why Exeter? Um, it's a club that I've looked at for the last couple of years, you know, then interest the last time and, um, you know, it'd be, it's an opportunity to learn new things, experience a different part of the world, albeit just an hour's flight away. You know, the, since then I've, I've taken, taken a little bit of heat saying, you know, I'm only leaving for money. That, that bugs me because if I was leaving for money, I'd be going to France. <laughs> um, but I, as I said earlier, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with rugby. I'm obsessed of to improve and get better. And I think that you know, going, to the, going to one of the best clubs in England with a, a great structure, you know, coaching team, some of the best players in England, it's a chance for me to learn and improve and, uh, and you know, get better. Edinburgh this weekend, just what was it going to be like? That, get that game away from everything else that's going on. It's huge, it's huge for us. It's you know, destiny's in our own hands. We're in a, a great place, and we've worked incredibly hard to, to get to where we are. And we win this game. We've got a home semi-final in front of you know ten thousand Glaswegians singing singing songs and having fun. That that's it's where we want to play. It's our home pitch. Um, an opportunity to, to get to a final in Glasgow, which which would be huge for the club. But. You know, we're not looking too far ahead. We're looking at Saturday, Saturday night, and and making sure that we can get a good result and give ourselves every opportunity to have a home semi. You said it's starting to. Um, are you starting to think about the fact that we know we've got a home quarter, a home semi, but that'll be your last game here, yeah. and then in the next few weeks you'll be playing your last game for the club. You said before you you'll be, you'll be emotional about it, but how do you think you'll how, th- how do you think you'll fare? Ah, for me, it's it's making sure that I'm on I'm on the money and doing everything I can to, to help the team win. And you know, if you start looking at personal things, then you know you're, you're you're going to be selfish and things are going to go out the window for the team. So now for me, I'm looking to have the, the best performances I possibly can in the Glasgow jersey, and you know, I'm pretty much with my performances, thank everybody at the club for what they've all done for me over the last few years, and thank the fans for for having my back over the last few years and enjoying everything and just shows to me I want to express what this club means to me um, and over the next few performances I can guarantee that I'll be doing everything I possibly can to to make sure we lift the trophy. And are you coming back? I've, I've said this since, since the decision to move on that I don't think this will be goodbye. Glasgow Warriors official podcast with Jack and Ashy.